The Fake Show is brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison & Stephan, Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas, Brew City Brand, and by Mr. Antenna. It's The Fake Show with Jim Tofty. It's, uh, you know, entertainment for children or for particularly slow adults. Well, my next guest got the earliest of starts in the recording studio. When he was a young man, he engineered the Zombies' great album, Odyssey and Oracle. He then acted as the assistant engineer on the Beatles' Abbey Road and Let It Be albums. His next move was to be the primary engineer on Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon before creating, of course, the Alan Parsons Project. We'll talk to Alan about working with the late, great George Martin and other influences. Let's welcome him to the Fake Show right now. Hi, good morning. Alan, how are you this morning? Pretty good. We must be on the same time zone. Yes, indeed. Uh, nice talking to you again. Actually, we saw you at the Smith Center probably a year and a half ago, and, and it was a fantastic show. All right. If you don't mind, I would like to ask you about George Martin for a moment. He was actually a mentor to you as you started working at Abbey Road. Yes, um, I, I did a, a fair amount of work with George, um, mostly with the Beatles. Um, I, I worked with him on the last two albums, um, starting with Let It Be, and then finally uh, the, the Abbey Road album. Let It Be, as you probably know, was, was actually recorded at, at the Apple studio, um, not, not at Abbey Road. And uh, of course, it culminated in the, in the famous rooftop session, which, which he oversaw, of course. I was up there on the roof, you know, moving mics around and stuff. <laughs> that was quite an experience. And yeah, that had to be a little intimidating because I think I remember you were, what, 20, 21 years old? I just turned 20. Uh, it was um, a, a cold a cold winter um, morning in uh, 1959. As you become an established engineer, producer in your own right, how do you think that George influenced you? Because you only hear great things about how he handled people in the studio. He was um, he was a great uh, a great people person. He was uh, always always calm, collected, and and and, and always uh, ready to offer good advice. And he was he had he had great ears, and he had he had classical training, and uh, understood what music was, and and also understood the recording process. He was able to uh, interface between artists and engineers in, in a in a way that no other producer ever did. I think. Certainly, engineers, guys like you, Jeff Emmerich, played a huge role, Emmerich especially with the Beatles sound, but George's suggestions were always essential, were they not? Oh, I think so, um, but he, he was never overbearing. He, you know, if he had an idea, he wouldn't, he would, and, and it was not, uh, if there was you know, some reason why the, the, the guys didn't, didn't like it, he would, he would never push, you know, he never pushed so hard that... Uh, became a, a dictator he was never he was never like that he was always respectful uh, always very in tune with uh, what artists were trying to achieve I mean, remember it, what you know he didn't just work with the Beatles he worked with Zilla Black, Matt Monroe, America um, uh, countless uh, orchestral albums he scored a James Bond movie he uh, did uh, comedy albums with the likes of Peter Sellers and, and the Goons and uh, various other British comedy acts he was a, a, an all-round uh, extremely experienced and a very, very liked person. Alan, I've always wondered when you were the recording engineer on Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, were you maybe hearing a little bit of George Martin's voice in your head at times? <laughs> um, <laughs> possibly I was. I mean, I, 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 don't, um, I don't deny that he, he was an influence on me. He, he, uh, 
I think he is. He, he was the producer's producer, and uh, I think uh, I think so many uh, producers or, or engineers that worked with him wanted to be him. You know, he he he, he just had an approach to to recording and uh, an approach to working with artists that uh, that was very influential uh, on me and many others. I have to ask you. I've heard that before. You guys even went into the studio to record Dark Side. That the band had already been out there performing it live. Yes. Um, the, the piece was called Eclipse at that time, um, and uh, we I I did actually go out with them as their live sound engineer uh, before you know in, in the period leading up to the to the making of the album and and, and its eventual release. So um, I, I think I think it was in part due to the, the success of the album was due in part to the fact that it it was tested through road tested. Yeah. Um, before it was released, so uh, yeah, I mean, it, it did develop, of course. It, it was perhaps not uh, not quite the same uh, piece of music that was being played live, you know, before the album was actually released. Some certain elements of it hadn't even been recorded, you know, particularly the the, the voices, uh, the, the speaking voices that uh, were, were the sort of finishing touch to the album. Alan, when you were recording all of your own hits as the Alan Parsons Project, was there any moment during those early days where you thought about taking it out on the road? Or were you strictly thinking that you were an album type of person at that time? Um, the Alan Parsons Project was very much uh, a studio outfit. We, we, we never even considered that uh, it would ever be performed live. Uh, and that's why we, we spared no expense uh, with, with orchestration and uh, multi-layered vocals and so on. Um, it was only um, in the mid-90s when the technology actually allowed it that, uh, that I gave any consideration to, to putting the, uh, you know, a band on the road to play that material. And um, ever since then, we've, we've continued to do it. And it's, it's, become, it's become part of my life now. I, I, I never thought it would happen. I, I never thought I would stand on a stage playing, playing guitar and keyboard, playing this material. Yeah, I, I really didn't. But uh, ever since 95, it's been, uh, it's been part of my life. I can attest to the fact how great it is to see you guys live in concert. And when you did finally assemble a band some 20 years ago, it had to be a challenge to do it live for the first time because there were so many different technical angles that you had to take care of. It would have been pretty much impossible at, at the time, you know, when we recorded the albums in the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. Or early to mid-80s, should I say. Sampling uh, technology was, was relatively new. Uh, keyboards were pretty primitive. It's really only when um, when MIDI came into its own and, and, and something became uh, a reality um, that we could actually duplicate some of the sounds that we that we put on the record. You know, it, take, it takes a fair sized band. I mean, I have an eight piece band with bass, bass drums, two guitars, uh, keyboards, side flare, and uh, an outfront singer, and you know, we we, we make a big sound. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it just couldn't it couldn't have been done in the in the um, in the seventies. I don't think it's, it's just we we rely quite heavily on on the digital technology, computer technology, and so on. And speaking of which, as the veteran engineer, what are your feelings regarding this resurgence in vinyl the last few years versus maybe even MP3 downloads? Well, MP3 downloads were probably the worst thing that ever happened. Yeah, industry. I, I'm delighted that vinyl is coming back. Um, you know, it, it means the return of hi-fi, and that's uh, and that's a very welcome thing for, for me. 
it, all all my catalogue has been uh, remastered on vinyl recently, and we're putting out a special a special package of uh, of the first album, Tales of Mystery and Imagination. Um, we're going to do a, a surround uh, 5.1 surround mix uh, first. First to be done. Uh, nice. In, uh, first album to be done in surround so far, and it's a special package with lots of bonus tracks, and and it will be uh, also on four sides of vinyl at 45 RPM. Beautiful. That's the ultimate. That's the ultimate uh, sort of high quality vinyl uh, media in the summer sometimes. The Alan Parsons Symphonic Project live DVD is available, and we also look forward to that. And Alan, so nice to talk to you again, and we wish you the best of luck on this tour. You're very kind. Thank you. Nice to talk to you, Alan. Bye-bye. Take care. It's interesting that since Alan Parsons didn't go on the road till later in his career, he's got relatively fresh legs compared to some of his contemporaries. So it looks like you can catch Alan Parsons' live project for some time to come. Well, that's it for this episode of The Fake Show. I am Jim Tofty, and I will see you soon. Take The Fake Show with you at thefakeshow.com, SoundCloud, and at iTunes.